Well, so glad that you're here today. Thank you for being here, and uh, thank you for those who are watching online. Yes, we are kicking off tomorrow our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And last Sunday, we kind of started a message on fasting and what that was. And, and so today, I want to kind of finish my thoughts here as we kind of get our hearts ready for what God wants to do here the next 21 days. Last Sunday, we said in Matthew chapter 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus for preaching, most famous sermon of all time. And, 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 and in Matthew chapter 6, there were three things that Jesus said that we should do. He said, first of all, that we should, you know, that we should be given. He talks about giving. And the Bible said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, when you give. And Jesus talked about how to give. And, and then he talks about praying. In verse number 5, Jesus said, when you pray. And he talks about how to pray. And then in verse number 16, Jesus talked about fasting. When you fast. And I believe that what Jesus is teaching us is that fasting should be a part of your, um, of your life if you are a Christ follower. Just as much as giving, just as much as praying, we should consider the practice of fasting. And, and so that was our very first point last week. We should consider that practice. We should consider that in our life and, and the power of that. By the way, the word fast in the Hebrew means to close the mouth. In Greek, it means don't eat. I love the definition. I shared it last week. I want you to look at it one more time. It's so powerful. It said, fasting in the biblical sense is choosing not to partake of food because your spiritual hunger is so deep. Your determination in intercession is so intense or your spiritual warfare is so demanding that you have temporarily set aside even fleshly needs to give yourself to prayer and meditation. Now, I want to continue today with number two. The second point is that we should consider the purpose of fasting. We should consider the purpose. What is the purpose? Why do we fast? Jesus begins by saying something that's very interesting. He said to us in verse 16, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. He said, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, Jesus says, look, when you fast, you're not trying to show off your spirituality. You're not trying to, to tell people what a great Christian you are. Fasting is to be done privately. And he said this in verse 17. He said, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. By the way, part of the culture, part of the custom was to put ashes on your head, and, you know, to make yourself look, you know, dirty, you know, to look like you're kind of standing out, that you were, you were fasting. He said, hey, don't, don't do that. He said, he said, he said, be obvious, don't be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so we see here that the purpose of fasting is not to call attention to yourself. The purpose of fasting is to force you to turn your attention to God. 
Now, this is important. Do not fast at all if you're doing it for the wrong reason. The, the goal of fasting, right, is to contemplate God and to, to, to consider or to concentrate on spiritual matters. In other words, if you're taking note, fasting forces us to focus on the Father. Fasting, it forces us to focus on the Father. Now, if we say that shit times really fast, you might get tripped up a little bit. But that's what it is. That's what fasting does. It helps us to focus on the Father. See, the purpose of fasting is always spiritual. You know, it, it's not to lose weight. It's not to kick a, a kick a sugar habit. It, it's not to make yourself feel better or to get yourself healthy or healthier. The purpose of fasting is, is very simple. It is a reminder to all of us that we need to depend on God. Now, let me ask you a question. When, when you fast, what happens? It's real easy. You, you get hungry. And, 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 and when you get hungry, what do you do? Normally, we go eat. All right? You go to the pantry, somewhere in your kitchen. You go to a restaurant. You go through a fast food drive through, and, and you find something to eat. Now, what do you do when you get hungry? You, you, you eat, but not when you're fasting. When you get hungry, when you're fasting, you don't eat. You leave it alone. Why? Because every time that hunger pain hits you, you're saying, oh, yeah, I'm hungry. I'm not hungry to eat. I'm hungry to pray. Now, let me just kind of warn you here. If you're going to join us in this fast, if, if you're going to join us starting tomorrow, uh, here's what's going to happen. You will hear more about food. You will smell food like you've never smelled it before. Somehow, Facebook is going to hear the conversation. Right? It's going to flood your timeline. With all, with the juiciest hamburger places to go to, the best new, the newest barbecue restaurant, it's gonna hit you. I mean, it's so fast. It, it, you know, it, it's amazing how that works out, right? But it's God's way of reminding you and me, this is why you're fasting. It, it forces us to focus on Him. Here's another question to ask. When, when should you fast? You know, throughout the scripture, almost every time in scripture, fasting is born out of a burden. It's not, you know, I think it would be a good thing to fast this week. So I'm going to fast. For no reason, I'm just going to fast. So, you know, you wake up, you know, I'm just going to fast today. You know, now, every time we see the word fasting in the scripture, it always comes with a burden. An example of this is it's about a man named Nehemiah. You know, there's a book of Nehemiah. It talks about this guy, Nehemiah, who lived in a foreign land. He was captive. He worked in the king's court. He was a cupbearer. He, he drank, he drank the, the wine before the king drank it. You know, just to make sure that it wasn't, a, a, you know, a bad wine or something. And so if, 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 if you know, Nehemiah falls to his death, 
then the king knows that that's a bad wine. And so Nehemiah, that was his job. And, 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 and he, he was not born in Jerusalem, but that was his homeland. And he longed for it. He prayed for Jerusalem. One day, he had people that come to see him that had been in Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem is a mess. It's ruined. You know, the city has been destroyed. The temple has been destroyed. The walls are in, are in disrepaired. The gate, there's no city gate. The morale of the city was at an all-time low. And the Bible said that when Nehemiah realized that his beloved city of Jerusalem was in total ruins and that the walls needed to be rebuilt, the gate needed to be put back together, he began to weep, began to pray. He prayed, he fasted. He asked God, said, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? You know, he didn't know what it was, but he felt like, man, God, maybe you're calling me to go back, you know, to go to Jerusalem and to fix this thing, to repair the city, to repair the walls. And, and at that moment, he didn't know what God was asking him to do. He didn't have any resources. He had no money. He had no workers. He wasn't even sure that he would be allowed to leave the king's court. The long story short, the God came through and Nehemiah was able to go to Jerusalem and did exactly what he had prayed for. He repaired the city walls. Now, maybe for some of you right now, you're where Nehemiah was. Perhaps you're facing a challenge this year of rebuilding your marriage. Perhaps you're facing the challenge of restoring a broken relationship. Maybe you need to repair a wall that you tore down. It was your fault. You tore it down. And maybe you see it. You say, man, it was my fault, and I don't know how I'm going to fix this thing. And you see it. Maybe you're facing something that you can't do on your own. You see this giant mountain. And you, you say, man, you know that God wants you to climb that mountain, whatever that might be. But you're like, God, I have no idea how I'm going to do it. I have no idea how I'm going to get to the other side. So here's the, here's the deal. When you fast, you're, 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 you're fasting in desperation for someone or something. And someone once said, you've all heard this, desperate times call for desperate measures. By the way, can I just say that I believe that our nation is in desperate times? Can I just say that I believe that our culture is in desperate times? I believe that our families are in desperate times. Marriages are in desperate times. You see, we need, we need a great awakening, a revival in America. We need a revival in the church. And fasting is a, is a way of reminding ourselves and letting God know that, hey, God, I am desperate. I am desperate for you. I'm desperate. And that leads us to the third thought. And it's something that we should not do when it comes to fasting. Yes, the first, we should consider the practice of fasting. Yes, we should understand the purpose of fasting. But let me tell you something that we should not do. And that's number three. 
we should not undervalue the power of fasting. We should not undervalue the power of fasting. You see, this is why I think a lot of people miss the boat. I think this is why so many Christians never fast. They feel like, you know, fasting is not for me. I'm not sure that fasting would do anything for me. I don't know what fasting, if it would make a difference. I mean, I can just pray, and certainly we can pray. But we miss the boat when you don't take time in your spiritual life to fast. You know, when people read Matthew chapter 6 on fasting, when we read, we, we miss the word that Jesus actually used it twice in this passage. I, I want you to see it. Jesus said in verse 16, we'll go back to verse 16 again. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do for their disfigured faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Again, Jesus said that we're not too fast just to show off our spirituality. But then he said in verse 18, so that it would not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, in both of these two verses, Jesus uses the word reward. Here's the interesting thing. It's interesting that it's the same word in English, but they are two separate words in Greek. When he talks about the word reward for hypocrites in verse 16, the word reward literally means a gift that's immediate. A, a reward that paid in full. Jesus is saying in verse 16, look, if you're going to fast, and you're going to tell everybody you're fasting because you want everybody to think that you're a great Christian, that, you're, you're, that, you, are, that you are so mature, then that's all the rewards you're going to get. If you're just doing it for the applause of people, well then congratulations, that's your reward. That's all you get. You got it paid in full in that moment. It's immediate. But that's not the word he uses the second time in verse 18. He said when you fast, right, in verse 18, when you fast, don't make a big deal about it. Don't blow the trumpet. Don't make it a big announcement. Instead, you only do it between you and God, and if you do it that way, then there's a reward for you, and the Greek word for this word is the word dividends. Dividends. It's like investing in a blue chip stock. And, and, and you get the reward later on. You say, okay, Scott, I understand that. What are those rewards? What are the spiritual rewards of biblical fasting done properly? And I want to look at here for the next few minutes four rewards that will happen when you fast. Number one, fasting fortifies 
your faith. It fortifies faith. Again, fasting, right? It, it forces you to forget food. It forces you to forget all the things of the world that the world is trying to give you. And it, and it forces you to bring your faith into focus. Right? Fasting forces your faith to focus on the Father. And here, here, here's a good way to remember it. When you're, when you're when you're fasting, you're reminded that the real strength, the real source of my strength is not the food on my table. The real source of my strength is the Father that put the food on my table. Y'all with me? That's the real source of my strength. It's not the food, it's the God that gave me or gave you the food. It's not my bank account, it's the God that put the money in my bank account. It's not because I'm so healthy, it's the God that gave me my health. That is the source of my strength. Fasting, it fortifies our faith in him and him alone. I become dependent, not on the stuff that the world has to offer, but I become dependent on him. Dependent on him. There's something else it does. Factor number two, it intensifies your prayers. Intensifies prayer. You know, it's one thing to pray on a full belly, Right? It's another thing to pray on an empty stomach. It's one thing to pray when you're hungry and you need to eat and you go eat. It's another thing to pray when you're hungry and you need to eat and you're starving for it, but you don't. And when you fast, here's what happens. God bends his ear towards you more. Because when you're fasting, here's what you're telling God. Say, God, I am in serious business right here. I am desperate. I am praying for this. I am fasting for this. Listen, God, I need, I need you to rebuild my marriage. God, I need you to restore that relationship. God, I need you to bring that prodigal child back to me. God, I need you to, to humble me. I need you to teach me to be dependent on you and you alone. God, I need you to help me to, to quit gossiping or, or to quit being bitter and angry and divisive. God, I, I need you. God, I need you to do a work in my life. And, and there's just something that bends God's ear when you fast. You mean business. Remember what I said, you know, fasting is desperate measure for desperate time. And I have a question for all of us, including me. Are you desperate for God? Are you, are you really 
desperate for God this year. I'm not, not being desperate for money or for a bigger bank account or for a job promotion or a bigger house. I'm talking about, are you really desperate for God? But desperate times call for desperate measures, and God knows that when you're fasting, you're fasting to him, and you're fasting for him. But here's the third reward, and that is fasting clarifies direction. It's a way of clearing your mind and to seek God's will and direction for your life. A great example of this is found in the book of Acts, chapter 13. The early church, they have done a great job getting the gospel out to the Jews. They've gotten outside of Jerusalem, they're in Antioch. And the people in Antioch, they knew that they needed to get the gospel out to non-Jews, to the Gentiles. And they were trying to figure out how to be more mission-minded, how to get the word out, how to get the gospel around the world. To come, you know, to how, how do they need to fulfill the, the Acts 1-8, to go what we talked about last year, how to go global. Not just local, but to go global with the mission of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and they knew that there were people in the church that could do this, and they thought, man, we could just pick some people to get going, but they, they, they didn't want to get ahead of God. And what's interesting is the Bible said that the early church, before they made a decision, they stopped and they prayed and they fasted. And they seek God's will. And after a period of praying and fasting, God led them to pick two people, Paul and Barnabas. The dynamic duo, right? The Batman and Robin of mission. And what happened? The church just exploded. Christianity spread like wildfire. And today we've got mission all around the world. You know why? Because the church, this early church, they said this. They said, we're not going to do it our way. We're going to do it God's way. We're not going to get ahead of God. We don't know who God wants, but before we make a decision, we're going to pray, we're going to fast, we're going to seek what he wants us to do. And God came through. There's just something about prayer, there's something about fasting that clarifies direction. Here's the last thing. Fasting purifies the heart. Purifies the heart. You see, when you're, when you're fasting, it's so important. You're not fasting for yourself. You're fasting for others. You're fasting for others. Let me, let me ask you this. Do you know anybody in your family? Or do you know somebody outside of your family? Maybe it's a neighbor, co-worker. Maybe, maybe it's, a, it's a, a friend. Maybe you know someone that's so far from God. Do you know anybody in your life that needs Jesus? Now, I think most of us in here will say, yeah, I do. I think we all know someone that needs Jesus. Do you know anybody 
in your life that's under bondage? Who do you know right now that's being taken captive to a sin, to sin of pornography, alcohol, bitterness, jealousy, anger? I know a lot of people. I'm sure you do too. You know what Isaiah said about this kind of fasting? Here's what Isaiah said, Isaiah 58, verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To lose the chains of injustice. To untie the cords of the, of the yoke that enslaves us. To set the oppressed free. And to break every yoke. I wonder how many of you are like me would say, you know, I want to see my friends, my family, my loved ones, people I care about. I want them to know Jesus. And I'm fasting on their behalf. I'm fasting on their behalf. I wonder how many of you would say, I want to see, I want to see families restored, marriages healed, the wall of division broken down with other people. I so badly want to see that. You fast for that. I wonder how many of you would say, I want to see churches, including ours, to experience a revival, a great awakening to see God and to know him more. See, fasting purifies our heart because sometimes in our heart, our heart is hard. We see the impossible things. I say, God, it's impossible. I don't even think you can do it. God, it's impossible. It's out of the question. That person is so far from God. He's the most pagan person I know. <laughs> I just don't see it. And when you fast, it purifies the heart and say, God, I know it's impossible under my strength, but with you, all things are possible. And I believe. I believe. Fasting purifies our heart to see God do a work in our broken world. Fasting purifies our heart to see God do what only God can do. And it all begins when we get desperate. For God. I asked Karen to come and share a, a short testimony about fasting and the power of fasting in her life. So last week, Scott shared a, a little bit in his message about how, I think it was in 2014, um, he and another pastor came to this property and prayer walked around the property and the building. But at that time, the building did not come available. But that led Scott into um, really bringing before our church, we needed to raise funds so that when the building or a property does come available, we would be ready. And so this was called the 40 days, um, the Towards Tomorrow campaign. And we did it for 40 days. We just prayed, we sought the Lord as to what we could give financially whenever we would come together as a church to um, give our pledges. And so headed into this 40-day campaign, I just felt the Lord put on my heart that I needed to fast. And I had never fasted before. 
And sometimes when the Lord speaks to our hearts and it's something that we don't really want to do or maybe don't know how to do, it's so easy to rationalize and say, well, is this really you, God? Are you really asking me to do this? And so as I was having my time with the Lord, um, I was reading in Acts, and it's funny because we were talking about this last night, and I didn't know he was sharing this passage today, but right there in Acts 13 was the next chapter that I was supposed to read that day, and it was all about fasting. And so I just want to share this um, little notes from my commentary from my Bible that I read that day. And it said, while they were worshiping the Lord, and Scripture does not um, spell out what, they, what fasting does or how it works, but it does, however, show that some people went without food as a spiritual discipline. And these verses, so that was in um, Acts 13, like 1 through 3, um, show us two possible results of this discipline. One is to prepare for ministry. Uh, fasting symbolizes our self-sacrificing dedication to God's purposes. And two, to separate ourselves from worldly concerns so that we can better focus on our priorities, values, and goals. Fasting helps us become more sensitive to God's voice and his direction. And so... You know, this is how the Spirit of God speaks to us. He was speaking to my heart. He confirmed it in his word. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to fast. And with it being my first time fasting, I didn't really know what that looked like. I had not heard message series about this. All I knew is the Lord was calling me into this. And so I chose to give up coffee for those 40 days. And that may sound a little silly, but that is something that when I would wake up in the morning, that's what I craved. You know, I would go get my coffee. If it had been a long day, sometimes I'd need the coffee to help get me through. And so that is what he put on my heart that I needed to lay down. So going through those 40 days, about midway through, I was preparing to speak at a women's event. And I just had all of these thoughts racing through my mind. And so there was one night where I just couldn't sleep. I just could not fall asleep because my mind wouldn't stop. So I got up. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning, typed it all out, was up for a couple of hours. And so the next morning... I was tired, and all I remember is I went to the kitchen, I stood in front of the coffee pot, and I just stood there, and I was like, Lord, do you really want me to finish out these 40 days? You know, is, is this even going to make any difference? You know, this is, what, this is where the flesh, when we start to get weak, the flesh comes in and starts to try to rationalize. And I did not hear the audible voice of God, but I did hear God speak to my spirit, and he said, right now, you are craving coffee more than you are craving me. And I, like, that just took my breath away because that was not from me because I wanted that cup of coffee more than anything. Well, he was telling me more than him. And so I said, okay, Lord, and I stepped away and I did not turn to the coffee. So then finished out the 40 days. And at the end of this campaign, on the Sunday night that finalized the 40 days, we all came together for a banquet where we were going to turn in our pledges. At the beginning of that week, the, the Lord spoke to my heart that I was going to share this fasting experience at that banquet. Back then, it was not normal for me to get up on a stage and talk and share anything. And so all I remember is telling the Lord, if you want me to do this, I'll do it. But I'm not talking to Scott about it. If you want me to do it, you're going to have to work it out. And so I just started to prepare myself through the week. And then coming home from church on Sunday morning, Scott gets a phone call. And he got off the phone and he said... Well, the person who was supposed to speak tonight is sick, and she's not going to be able to speak at the dinner. Right then, the Lord said, this is you. And so I turned to Scott, and I said, well, actually, he told me at the beginning of the week that I'm supposed to share this fasting story. And, you know, it's, it's amazing when you have those moments with the Lord. But the Lord not only lets us experience him 
just just to experience him. There's a purpose for it. And come to find out the lady who was supposed to speak at the banquet was supposed to share about the early days of Lake Point. You know, I, I was there for the early days of Lake Point. And it's just special whenever you have that time with the Lord and you know that he has called you to do something. And for that moment in time, you are standing directly in the will of God. There's nothing else like it. Thank you, Karen. You know, as we kind of close out, this is the question that I asked last week. What is God asking you to do for the next 21 days? Starting tomorrow. What is God asking you to do? Not what Pastor Scott asking you to do. What is God asking you to do? I think it's safe to say that at the bare minimum, we can all pray. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should pray. You know, for that 21 days, we have focused prayers every day for our church. I invite you to join us in praying. And some of you, you know, used to say, hey, I'm praying the fast. And I talked about it last week, finding your fast zone. There was a couple, three, three types of fasting, real quick. They're, they're um, a total fast. And, and a total fast is that. Not what I'm really asking you to do, but if God wants you to do a total fast, that's no eating or drinking. And you will only do that for maybe a day. You won't do that for 21 days. We won't see you in 21 days if you do that, okay? <laughs> One day, no eating, no drinking. If you, God needs to do that, I don't feel like God is calling me to do a total fast at all in the 21 days. That's just me. God might be calling you specifically. Normal fast, that's liquid only. You can survive for 21 days, liquid only. Now, if you've never fasted, I would suggest you don't go 21 days cold turkey, normal fast. But if God is saying you must do this, then you listen to him. Okay? There's also a partial fast. Partial fast is a lot of variation of a fast. There's a Daniel fast. By the way, you know, there's a I'll talk about it in a minute, but there's a website and there's some recipes, some, some ideas on, on the Daniel fast. You can look at that in a minute. But um, the, the, there might be a sugar fast. You say, hey, I'm going to go on a sugar fast. You know, some of you might do a, a, a one meal intermittent fasting, you know, do one meal at night or one meal in the middle of the day and then go 24 hours. Um, for me, I'm going to go the first seven days on a partial fast. I'm going to have a carb-free meal because I love carbs. Biscuits and gravy, pancakes, you know, rolls, Texas Roadhouse, dip it. You know, just give me the rolls, you know. I mean, I, I, I just love my carbs. You know, and so that, that's the thing I, could, I, I crave the most. And I'm going to, you know, partial bath, one meal a day, carb-free. Free. That's what I'm doing. And then the, the middle, I'm going to do a normal fast, liquid only. And then the third part, the last seven days, I'm going to go back into the partial fast, carb free, one meal a day. That's how I feel God leading me. It, it, give, and here, here's what I want to challenge you give yourself lots of grace and how this works. You know, don't get stuck on the rules. That's what I love about the parts of fast. You really can, you know, if you just say, hey, I'm going to do coffee 
No coffee for 21 days. Great. You know, or no sugar. Great. Or I'm going to do it part-time. I'm going I'm to fast, you know, Mondays, just Monday for the next three weeks. Great. You know, the, the point of it is, is that you draw closer to God. And I believe that you will. I believe that you will. Some of you are not able to fast from food. You have to eat. And understand that. God understands that, too. Some of you have to, you have, for health reasons, you have to. And so I encourage you to do an activity fast. I, t- I shared with you last week, I'm, I'm also fasting from, you know, from activities, watching television shows and movies for 21 days. I'm gonna, instead, I'm going to watch, you know, um, uh, through Right Now Media, you know, with Bible studies. I'm going to enhance my knowledge of God. I'm going to spend more time. Well, I've been the energy on Netflix. I'm going to channel that and spend more time on him for the next three weeks. That's what I'm doing. You say, well, Scott, what if I mess up? You see, sometimes some of us are scared at fast because we are afraid of failure. Can I, just, can I just encourage you? Listen, we're human. You might mess up, and that's okay. Give yourself grace. And pick yourself back up. If not sin, if you don't fast, if you mess up one day, you did not sin. You sin and you miss out on the reward when you are gloating about your fasting and judging others and their fasting. So don't go there, but give yourself tons of grace. Because at the end of the day, God can say, hey, it's okay, get back up. Because I desire your heart. And I want you to know me more. I want you to know me more. We've got some wonderful resources to help you in there. We've got a fasting journal. So many of you picked this up. Every day, the devotion, a prayer, daily prayer focus. Those are available in the lobby. Pick one up today and start tomorrow, day one. We also have an online resource that we created. Go to latepointprayer.org. Lots of link, lots of different stuff, and we'll keep updating it with new information. There's the daily prayer focus, which matches the prayer focus in this book. You know, the daily prayer focus, so check that out. Under uh, the link to our Facebook page, and starting tomorrow morning, we'll have d- daily devotions. We have a playlist for worship on Spotify, and you can listen to worship music. Uh, we have a place where you can submit your prayer requests. We also have a place, a link where you can submit your story. We'd love to hear how God is working in your heart these next 21 days. Love to hear those stories. Not so that you can brag. Again, this is for us to celebrate what God is doing. Love to hear God's stories in your life. And love for you to share that. There's some other resources down there as well. You can check all of that out. But I encourage you, next 21 days, to lean in. To lean in and see what God is trying to do is speaking in your heart. I so desire to see God do something in our church this year. I so desire to see God do something in you. My prayer is that all of us will become more desperate for God. Desperate for Him. I pray that you'll join me in this. Fasting time in the next few weeks, that you'll join me. Let's believe God to do great things in our church, outside of our church, for our church, 
with our church and through our church. Our Heavenly Father, we look forward to what you're going to do. We thank you in advance. In the next 21 days, how we're going to draw closer to you and to see things that we never thought was possible be done possible, that it would become a possibility, that it would be made possible because of you. And so, God, we ask you to help us today. Maybe some of us have already made up our mind what we're doing. Maybe, God, some of us here, we're still trying to figure this out. God, I pray that we help each and every one of us speak to our hearts and to lean in with the heart of posture to draw closer to you, to be desperate for you to do things, not in just my life, but in the lives around me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.